Welcome to Fiery Discourse, your podcast and media featuring dragonesses, female dinosaurs, and other similar stories and scalies. I'm your host, Lud Milanon, and with me are my co-hosts, Angron, Stryker, Lucky Eevee, and Math Machine. Today is our 26th episode, and we're discussing 2015's Jurassic World for our first ever theme month of Jurassic July, so let's get things started. Now, Jurassic World was not going to be Jurassic Park 4 originally. I remember reading Jurassic Park 4 was announced around 2006-2007, and it was going to be, no joke, about the military creating dinosaur-human hybrids. I have no Mm. idea how that would have turned out. I have no idea who would have been in it, if they would have gotten, like, Alan Grant or Ian Malcolm back, or if they would have had a new character. I kind of want to see that now. Yeah, what the dinosaur-human hybrids would have really looked like. But regardless, that idea was scrapped, and the franchise lay dormant for a while until 2015 when this came out. And this is the start of what is basically considered the second trilogy of the franchise, the Jurassic World trilogy, if you will. The movie uh, still has a mixed reception, and even when it came out, critics were kind of mixed, but I personally enjoy it, and I always have ever (laughs) since I first saw it. And this is actually the first of the uh, Jurassic Park franchise that I actually managed to see in theaters. Mmm, nice. And it definitely, and it is a real, real great experience on the big screen like that. I'll tell you. So yeah, the movie uh, opens after, of course, the opening titles with the raptors slowly hatching out of the eggs, and of course, it's a great way to get you back into the world. And then we have a really good, like, a bait and switch gag where it shows like a giant pair of talons landing on the ground. You're thinking, oh god, what kind of dinosaur is that? Or it pans up and it's just a bird. Holy like, so fucking shit. I had to bring up that meme. Yep. That's a yep. classic. Definitely one of the first ones you think of when you think of the franchise. So yeah, uh, we, now we're introduced to our two uh, child characters of, the fran- of uh, this movie. And they only appear in this one. Unlike uh, Lex and Tim, they don't show up in Fallen Kingdom or Dominion, the two sequels. Uh, yep. Gray and Zack. And... I feel like a uh, Gray is more of an interesting character than Zack, in my opinion, because I, don't know, I just feel like the you know, wonder that Gray has over the dinosaurs does kind of more of a hook to the audience rather than the uh, cynicalism of Zack. Now, they do play off each other well. I will say that much. They, they do, do have a good dynamic between each other, but I feel I had one problem with this movie, and really the rest of the Jurassic World movies for me have, is the human drama. Those mm. uh, in the originals, they were there, but they felt organic. They felt like they were necessary. In this one and the two following it, it just feels so shoehorned in at a lot of the uh, moments to where it, it's like, why are we even watching this? Now, in this movie, it's not nearly as bad as it would be later on in the uh, Jurassic World uh, sub franchise. Mm. I'll say you're Cretaceous, so it's a thing. Don't yeah, know we, we are going to talk about that probably oh, yeah. uh, probably next July for a one-off Jurassic July episode, unless they make Jurassic uh, World 4, because you know that's going to come eventually someday. These make like billions of dollars at the box office, so you know they're going to find ways to make more of these. But yeah. Absolutely they are. Yeah. 
part of the enjoyment of this movie for me, and because, of course, we get there sooner than later in this movie, is that we actually get to see Jurassic World as a fully functioning theme park. We get mm-hmm. to see, like, the actual attractions. We get to see, like, the uh, shopping area and that. And it feels so real. I honestly would watch this movie it was if it was just a normal functioning day of Jurassic World where nothing went wrong. Because to me, it is just so appealing in a way that I really can't even describe it. It just feels like you, you can actually go there. Like it, it just feels so realistic. Yeah, and the only downside is shit goes wrong. Which it always does in these movies. It always, always does. So yeah, uh, we're introduced to the character of Zara here when they arrive on the island, and she doesn't really get much to do. Apparently, she had a little bit more of a subplot originally, but it was cut out. And she really is kind of a flat character, and she's only known for one moment, which we will get to later on in the episode. And there are a lot of nice little references when the boys get on the island, like uh, for the first one, when they're on the monorail going into Jurassic World, you can see someone reading a book by Ian Malcolm, which is, again, a nice touch. And, of course, the part where uh, Gray opens up the doors and it shows the park with the Jurassic uh, Park theme song is really, in my mind, uh, just a perfect encapsulation of the appeal of the movie, at least to me. So yeah, uh, Claire first appears after this scene, and she's a good character in this, but in the sequels, I feel like they kind of don't know what to do with her after this one. And again, Bryce does Howard, she's good in it, and uh, well, we'll talk more about her figure in the next episode for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. But in here, she's basically a typical corporate CEO whose main duties, of course, is to run the park and keep it financially secure and that. And the one aspect of the movie that it does seem kind of unrealistic is the idea that people get bored with dinosaurs because they have a line where they say, you know, oh, seeing a, bron- a brachiosaurus is no different than seeing an elephant at the zoo. It's like, but, but it's still a brachiosaurus right in front of you. I really cannot see how that would make sense in the universe, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And of course, uh, we of... see it. Sorry, sorry, go ahead. I've kind of equated it to uh, them thinking that how people are on the internet where we latch onto something and then in the time span of a week we're already bored of it and we want we're moved on to the next thing. I think that they're trying to equate that to how people would be if dinosaurs were genetically brought back. Right, right. Yeah. I can definitely see that, yeah. So of course we get to see more of a uh, Doctor Wu who was in the original Jurassic Park in nineteen ninety three. And he has a much larger part in all of these movies. He's in the entire uh, Jurassic World trilogy. Yeah. Yeah, we honestly, though, could have Honestly, though, if they had gotten Dr. Ho, the dinosaurs would have had good backs. But that would have (laughs) been downside for us. Okay. exactly. Uh, So InGen is genetically engineering a new dinosaur, the Indominus Rex. And we'll see her later. And we'll definitely talk more about her and the other dinosaurs in a bit. But... Now we get to the uh, visitor center, and there really is a lot of fun references here. Is that the Brachiosaurus in the original is now a giant hologram? The part where a gray plays like a DNA uh, sorting game, like on a touch screen, that Mr. DNA pops up, and there's a giant statue of John Hammond in there. Now, Richard Attenborough really wanted to reprise this role as Hammond. He apparently would have been like a holographic version of Grant, of, of Hammond rather. But sadly, he was a little too ill to record anything, and Aww. that really is a shame. 
Yeah, he, that's he a really, shame. Really wanted to reprise his role as Hammond. So we get to see uh, Claire meet her nephews, and she doesn't know anything about them or spends any time with them, which this really feels like something more from the 90s, so from movies like, say, Hook with Robin Williams, that, you know, mm. did that whole, you know, corporate CEO doesn't have time for their kids' whole subplot. I wonder if that was, like, meant to be in a draft of a script written earlier and they decided to put it in this one. Definitely is yeah. that. Thing about it. So, yeah, yeah I, I can see that. But honestly, that it was here, like, okay, it's not terrible, but it has been done better in a lot of other things. Also, exactly. the kids bring up, like, drama and stuff, like, there's this one moment where they're talking about like their parents getting divorced and whatnot, and it's like, why? Yeah, that, that's exactly what I was gonna say. It, it feels so undercooked. It's like it was put in there just so they could have some kind of a human drama element to it. Which, again, I feel like this movie they could have done that a little bit better. It, it just feels like the, okay, we gotta find something to have them, you know, care in character interaction other than oh, cool, look at the dinosaurs. Uh, but to me, it just feels so shoehorned in. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, absolutely shoehorned in. Yeah. The human now drama get... in this movie reminds me of the human drama in the uh, 2016 Godzilla movie. Except unlike that, the Godzilla movie realized, oh, okay, people didn't like that. They just wanted the giant monsters. Let's go with that. They do the exact opposite with the Jurassic World series. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And we'll definitely talk more about how bad the human drama gets in Fallen Kingdom and Dominion. But for now, it's pretty all right. We get to see the control center, which reminds me a lot of the control center in the original 1973 Westworld. I wonder if it was an intentional reference because there was another Michael Crichton story about a theme park gone wrong. And it's a very good movie. Mm -hmm. I definitely recommend you check it out. There is a really good joke that I like about companies basically sponsoring dinosaurs that... I thought it was pretty cute because it is realistic as to what would happen. You know, you have stadiums named after companies. You have, like, sports teams sponsored by companies. Of course, they'd want to sponsor, you know, dinosaurs. Oh, man. There's also this one guy in the uh, Jurassic World that uh, has memorabilia from, like, the original Jurassic Park. The original Jurassic Jurassic Park. And that, too, is something that's weird because where would you get that from? The island was completely abandoned after part one that there would be no Jurassic Park t-shirts in any state to be worn like that. They're all left on the island, basically. Yeah, speaking I, of, like, forgetting the original movies existed, like, I, I the whole time, like, they're telling us that, like, the rat, they're telling us that the, in this movie, like, there are animals that, these are the last of their kind on this island, which I find dubious, because did they forget Ilsa Sornar exists? Like, they there are still dinosaurs there, right? I think they right. kind of bring that up in the sequel, but we'll have to see what happens when we do that episode. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, the island's owner, uh, Mizrani, who is a nice comparison to uh, Claire, and that how he's more like Hammond, and that he can compa- he actually cares about the park and the customer satisfaction in a way that's more people oriented rather than the cold corporate uh, side of things that Claire is. But then they go to see, he uh, flies the helicopter, which definitely comes into play later on in the movie. Uh, and then they go yeah. to see the Indominus Rex, who, I like that they do this. They take a page from Jaws and that they don't show what the Indominus Rex looks like until later. But we do know that she is super intelligent and extremely dangerous because 
They gave, you know, the Indominus Rex a sibling, and it says that she killed and ate it. So she's yeah. definitely uh, them playing, you know, science. They're, they're definitely playing like Frankenstein. Uh, they're playing God. Oh, man. So, it reminds me of that, that. What you just said reminded me of that one scene from Family Guy, from the Family Guy Star Wars episode, like the one where they were doing uh, Star Wars, uh, The Empire Strikes Back. And like uh, Chris is like going up to going up to uh, Peter, who uh, Chris is Luke, uh, Peter's Han. And uh, he's like, hey, what'd you do with their dog we kidnapped? And he's like, I killed their dog and ate it. Yeah. Oh God! Oh God! But yeah, <laughs> it's so hilarious. I know, I know. I love uh, it. <laughs> so yeah, now we uh, cut to Owen Grady, played by uh, Chris Pratt, and I guess this was the way for him to train with Yoshi. So for the Mario movie sequel. Oh my goodness! So yeah, so yeah the Raptors in this movie they actually get personality for the first time since the original one. Now Jurassic Park three, they did have more personality than say Lost World. But this is the first one, uh, aside, of course, from 1993, you know, original Jurassic Park, that I feel that they really feel like actually, you know, characters. And they're named, of course, uh, Blue, Echo, Charlie, and Delta. And Blue will be the most predominant one in the sequels. And we'll get to that in a little bit. But the way that, you know, he he basically uh, interacts with them is really well done. It is kind of realistic. Although, I will say one thing that... uh, the uh, hand motion to basically have the raptor stay away from you is it does look kind of silly, especially in the sequels when they try using it for every single dinosaur. Like it's the universal sign to like a dinosaur not to attack you. You should just hold your hand out like a stop motion. <laughs> it honestly reminds me of a bit of crocodile Dundee and the whole like mm, thing that he does to like get animals to calm down. He, like does it with a does it with a cow he does it with like two dogs coming at him and he kind of does it as a fake out for these uh for these street thugs yeah i can definitely see that so maybe it was intentional reference so anyway uh, military maybe. man uh, hoskins shows up and his thing is he basically wants to use dinosaurs in the military which if you know your history and you know that like the soviets trained bears to fight against the nazis and that it could get really gruesome if you actually try to use like dinosaurs in the military He's played mm. by uh, Vincent D'Ofrio, who is a great actor. He's in everything mm. from a Full Metal Jacket to Men in Black. And the one thing I will say about his performance, the second he steps on screen, uh, you, you instantly think, oh, he's the main human bad guy. Yeah, yeah. The second you're, he steps on screen, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's the villain. You know, it, it's like that. there's really no nuance to him, which, I mean, you could say the same thing about Nedry and to a lesser extent Gennaro from the first Jurassic Park, but I don't know, there it seemed a little bit different compared to this. So mm. anyway, uh, Omar C is in this movie. He is an excellent actor. He plays uh, basically uh, Owen's assistant in this, and it's a shame because he's a fantastic actor. He's in a lot of uh, fantastic French movies like The Untouchables and Monsieur Chocolat, and I highly recommend checking out some of his uh, more dramatic roles because he is um, fantastic. He is another oh, really man. great actor, and I feel like he's a kind of squandered in this. So anyway, it would be funny if he was uh, in uh, Amelie. No, no, I don't think he really had a career back then, but regardless. Uh, so what oh, happened well. is a worker falls in the pen and has to be saved by Owen. And, of course, we get to see now uh, the hand motion, which probably became one of the more iconic aspects of this movie, aside from uh, another part, which we'll see what to talk about later on in the film. But 
for now, this is the scene that seems to be referenced a lot or brought up a lot when you talk about this movie. Keep your but eyes yeah. on blue. Exactly, exactly. Honestly, so yeah. now, so now, uh, now we get back to probably, again, my favorite part of the movie, which is really just Zack and Greg going to the park and having a good time. It has stuff that's really neat, like the uh, children's area where they ride on Triceratops, and they have, like, the uh, zookeeper, like, allowing kids to pet, like, the compi, and... We get to see the T-Rex feeding again, which is a fun moment. And mm-hmm. it proves Alan Grant was wrong because uh, T-Rex apparently does work on a schedule. And it, mm-hmm. it doesn't want to hunt yeah. because Rexy is fine just being fed uh, goats with flares and that. It's meant to be a surprise for the audience. But basically, when you see it for the first time and you look at the, you know, the model of the dinosaur, the CGI model, you're like, oh, that's Rexy from the first Jurassic Park. It's not. Yeah, Allegedly. yeah, yeah. Okay. But yeah, like I said, uh, the Mosasaurus part is another uh, really great sequence. And they feed the Mosasaurus a great white shark, which is a nice little Easter egg to Jaws. And But then we get, again, you have all these fun parts. But then you get back to the human drama, which, again, has the relationship between Owen and Claire. It just feels so cliche. And it's like... I understand why they put it in. I mean, obviously, you had to have some kind of character, you know, relationship with each other. The power Exactly, exactly. It feels really, really... It almost slows things down. Thankfully, there's not too much of it in this movie. Thankfully, yeah. Thankfully, Mm -hmm. yeah, compared to the... I will also mention the Mosasaur is kind of foreshadowing. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, it definitely does. With how uh, dangerous she is. And, yeah... Owen is shown the Indominus Rex and realizes how dangerous she is and points out all the flaws that InGen did with keeping the Indominus Rex. For example, not give, just having it really live in a pen and basically genetically modifying it to be it, it, basically almost insane. So the Indominus Rex appears to not be in the cage. But when Claire goes back to the control room, it turns out she was hiding in there all along and she attacks Owen and the other couple of workers. And this is where we see her for the first time. And I will say this about the Indominus Rex. The Indominus Rex has a fantastic design. It is, Mm -hmm. it looks really, really good. You can definitely tell that this was one of the standouts of the movies in terms of effects and where they put a lot of the effort into. And you can tell why, because she's so menacing and sleekly designed. Colors of the scales, even like, you know, the eyes in that. It's just so piercing that I feel like the Indominus Rex really feels like a menacing villain in a way that the other dinosaurs really weren't. I mean, maybe the Velociraptors in the first one were also had the same kind of menace, but the Indominus Rex feels different because it's not just, you know, with the intelligence, but it's also with size and abilities. So the Indominus Rex uh, kills the other two workers, and this causes them to send out the security team in a... Really, really just fantastic sequence. We find out how smart the Indominus Rex is when she, like, tears out her tracking chip from her, like, flesh, and it turns out she can camouflage. And this is when we see her take on the entire security team, and she just wrecks them. I mean, this definitely reminded me a lot of Predator. I I really wonder if it was an inspiration from the movie Predator when the Indominus Rex is killing all the security team. I really adored the sequence, actually. Exactly, exactly. I'm just saying, it's fantastic. It really, really is a great sequence, just to show how how vicious she is and how 
just really how creative a lot of the kills are. There's the part where the one security camera, uh, security camera, one of the security members gets eaten and the blood like trickles onto like the camera lens is a really, really just awesome sequence. And again, it really reminds me a lot of Predator when the Predator was like slaughtering the rest of uh, Arnold's team. It uh, definitely yeah. seems like yeah. they took a lot of inspiration from that. So yeah, uh, Claire and uh, Irami make a pretty stupid decision to not kill the Indominus Rex with the uh, military-grade weapons, and this will come back to haunt them in a little oh, while. Oh, absolutely. Yep. So now oh, we get yeah. to see uh, probably the most uh, attraction that got the most amount of interest from in the audience, so much so that it appears in the next movie, the uh, Gyrospear. And it really feels, again, this whole sequence feels like an amusement park when the worker is called and basically says, you know, we're closing Jurassic, we're closing that section of Jurassic World. He just meekly talks to the angry crowd and then he goes, come on, I don't control the ride. I just work here. Yeah, you know, I think really... that guy, yeah, I believe that guy was also in uh, the Netflix a series of unfortunate events, which is, oh, man, that guy's a mood. Yeah, yeah, yeah really. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so again uh the gyrosphere is a really nice touch and again it feels like an amusement park with stuff like the safety video with extremely obnoxious comedy by jimmy fallon then again uh, everything jimmy fallon does is obnoxious comedy so there you go he is. <laughs> nothing else is accurate yeah oh wait, that was so, yeah. jimmy fallon that was yeah, yeah that was him. He, yeah. Was, he was the host oh, of like a safety video. Like you know how uh, some amusement parks would have like people from like a movie or that actually do like the safety briefing of like the ride. That's basically what this is supposed to be like. Mm, why they why they why they are playing it while they're on the ride is unknown, but hey, that that is you know something that does happen in theme parks too. So now we come back to Doctor Wu who. Of course, uh, Irami basically confronts him and is like, oh, why did you do this? And Dr. Wu has a really nice touch where he says they only did he only did what the bosses wanted him to do. You know, they they wanted cooler dinosaurs. They wanted more ferocious, more teeth. You know, it's like, what did you expect would happen? You know, they they they, they just got what they asked for and it wasn't what they wanted. Hmm. Now, Zach does something that is uh, pretty stupid by putting them in harm's danger by not returning to the resort and going off the path. We see a couple of uh, Stegosauruses here, which are, again, a really cool touch, and they look a lot better than the ones from Lost World, which I will say in general, the dinosaurs in this movie look probably as good as they did in the uh, first one. I will say mm. that they do look probably almost as good as they... Again, all of the Jurassic World series has good effects, Jurassic Park series too. But this one feels like the gap between, you know, 2001 and 2015, you can definitely tell they have a huge jump from CGI from that era, from that time to this time and it really works out well because the Indominus Rex appears and attacks the sphere in a great sequence which is kind of like the Lex and Tim sequence from the original, but it feels like it has its unique twist on it that I do like that, again, uh, Zach and Gray are, you know, they have the same reaction, but it feels a little different compared to Lex and Tim. Maybe because we know how much more dangerous the Indominus Rex is compared to, you know, the T-Rex from the original Jurassic Park. Mm. Oh, man. That also, uh, wait, let me think here. I'm sure it'll come up later. 
That's Sorry, right. Okay. Continue. Yeah. Um, so yeah, basically the boys escape the sphere and they get away from the Indominus Rex by jumping off a waterfall. And I want to see somebody do a mashup with this scene and Butch Cassie and the Sundance Kid. Howard <laughs> Butch and Sundance <laughs> leap off the waterfall and the Indominus Rex is chasing them. Yo, I can't <laughs> swim. Are you crazy? The fall's gonna kill ya. That is one of my maybe top 20 favorite movies of all time. It is so fantastic, and I highly recommend it if anyone hasn't seen it. It is a absolute classic. But anyway, they jump out of the waterfall, and of course they escape the Indominus Rex, and Claire having realized that, uh, you know, she's responsible for this in a way because, you know, they got away from Zara and they went on their own. She goes with Owen to help look for them, and there's a nice little touch. I don't know if it was an intentional reference. She screams for, you know, Zack and Gray, exactly like how Amanda did in Jurassic Park 3. Unfortunately, we did not get to hear her say, What's a bad idea? But it still is a fun part, nonetheless. If it was an intentional reference. So yeah, now, uh, of course, they go searching for the boys in the jungle, but... It uh, turns out that Zack and Gray have made it to the remains of the original Jurassic Park. Now, I have to admit, this is a way probably for them just to point out a bunch of nostalgia stuff from the original. Like, oh, look at that, look at that. But I'm sorry, I, I really think this sequence is cool. You get to see stuff like the When the Dinosaurs Ruled the Earth banner. You get to see stuff like the uh, remains of the Velociraptors from the original that are still, you know lying there, you know, 20 plus years later, and you get to see the uh, night vision goggles on a shelf, which is really cool. I, I wonder if you could still get those nowadays. That would I, be interesting if you could. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, man. I haven't done that as like a merchandising, you know, opportunity. It seems oh, so man. obvious. You want, to know what's, you want to know what's crazy? Like, I recall this one time when I went to the Houston Zoo where I saw this very unique little uh, thing that was like a uh, animal call, like a uh, simulated animal call that had, like, had dolphins, orcas, and whatnot. That looked so cool, and I really wanted to get it because it would be really cool to like go to the beach and try and call a bunch of dolphins and whatnot. Man, that would be crazy if I could actually yeah, go yeah, back and that. Yeah, that really does sound awesome. So, yeah, basically what happens is they manage to uh, hotwire one of the original Jeeps from, of course, the uh, Jurassic Park. And just as Claire and Owen arrive, and they're attacked by the Indominus. Now, this sequence, too, is another really good one. How they just have to hide from the Indominus to show just how threatening she is. It's almost like uh, in Lord of the Rings when, you know, Sam, Frodo, Merry, and Pippin are hiding from the uh, Ring Wraith in Fellowship of the Ring. That's what this really felt like. Yeah. Yeah, it's really The what it way felt the Indominus like. Rex, you know, peers over them and that. And it definitely reminded me a lot of that part. So anyway, uh Irami gets into the helicopter because as said earlier, he uh he was he became a helicopter pilot. And him and a couple of other security uh pursue the Rex and she smashes through the Avery where the pterodons escape. Now one interesting touch that I actually didn't notice until this viewing. Some of the pterodons have T-Rex and raptor heads. That implies that InGen have done a lot more genetic modification than we know about if they're doing mm. stuff like that. that yeah, really. Us. Yeah, yeah, that really. Is and then, of course, they attack the helicopter. They kill the security men first, and they bring it down, causing Irami to spin out and blow up in a fireball. 
And now uh, the pterodons go free. And this, to me, is the best sequence in the movie. The most iconic one, in any case. When my the pteranons... favorite. The, one, yeah. the scene that sealed this movie is my favorite. Yeah, when the pterodons attack the shopping center. Everyone is waiting, you know, around, you know, just wondering what's going on. Then they just have an announcement, you know, seek shelter. And, and then they just go absolutely nuts. And... Of course, we have to. If we're talking about this scene, we have to mention the best extra in cinema history. When the pterodons start attacking, there's a guy in like a pink shirt and a baseball cap who his first reaction, his first reaction upon seeing a bunch of dinosaurs attack, take his margaritas and run off. It reminds <laughs> you, it's like Homer on The Simpsons. I paid for my margaritas and I'm gonna get my margaritas. <laughs> He actually became a meme for a while. The the margarita guy from Jurassic World. He's just like running off with them. It's like he's on screen for like two seconds with just something. It is so funny and so clever. It definitely had to be an intentional joke, but for such a tiny, tiny moment, it is is one of the funniest moments to me. It's just the fact that that guy and all the chaos, his alcoholic beverages are more important than anything else. Yeah, it's like, holy fuck. Yeah, priorities, oh, man. man. Priorities. I so, mean, those are pretty good priorities, all things considered. Exactly, exactly. So now we get to uh, probably the most infamous moment of the movie, Zara's death, which is really extremely violent. It probably, actually, no, scratch that. It is definitely the most violent of the entire franchise, easily. And what and it feels like with Zara, it's like. The character didn't do anything to deserve this, and it really feels like oh, yeah. shocking that a character like that would go out in that way. It was fucking by... brutal. Like exactly. oh, it yeah. was brutal she death in the by... whole series, whole franchise. Yeah, she's swept up by several pterodons. One of them actually manages to eat her, and then that pterodon is eaten by the Mosasaurus. So she she yeah. is really dead there. And one yeah, she's thing, eaten by thought... two dinosaurs. Uh, exactly. There's exactly. also a detail that I noticed when watching the clip again. You can see yeah. her reaching out of the mosasaur's mouth. Oh, God. Oh, that is... Wow. Wow, that's even more tragic. And something that I do yeah. have to give a lot of credit to the actress. She did her own stunts. I, I give her a lot of credit for that. Hell that, yeah. That is amazing. I, saw the, I saw the behind the scenes of that. That I was saw beautiful. It, that is absolutely amazing. That... You know, this was like that takes a lot more guts than I and probably a lot of other people would have. So yeah, basically, uh, the the uh, pterodons are going absolutely nuts all over the place. They're smashing up everything, and Owen shows up and he basically shoots down several of the pterodons. And Zach and Gray are just in complete awe of this guy. They like you know they completely brush off Claire to like you know completely like fawn over this guy, and it feels. Kind of weird, you know? It doesn't feel really realistic in a way. They may be more... In a way, yeah. Yeah. For for the most part. I mean, to be fair, if you had a freaking uh, family relative who's basically, like, non-existent for most of the movie and most of their life, for that matter, you would be a little gracious for the person who just saved your life in the most badass way possible. True. Very, very, very true. So, yeah, what happens is that Hop... uh, Hoskins takes over operations and he decides to use the Raptors to fight off the Indominus Rex, basically to prove to them that they can have military uh, success in that and for his own personal gain and glory in that. 
And now we get to one of, again, one of the other most iconic parts of the movie, which is the Raptor motorbike sequence. Owen's riding on his bike and the Raptors are running along beside him, but that is not the image that most people have of the scene because there was a viral video. I remember seeing this. I think it's still on YouTube and it is the coolest thing ever because they place the Raptors on motorbikes as well. Oh, oh, I kind of want to see that now. It's definitely on YouTube. I think if you look up maybe like a Jurassic World Raptors motorbike, you'll find it. But it is just, it is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. It, it, if they did it in the actual movie, it'd be completely ridiculous and definitely like a jump the shark moment. But man, that, that definitely would have been something if they actually managed to go through that. So anyway, uh, the dinosaurs go out, uh, the raptors go out to attack the Indominus Rex, but of course, with the Indominus Rex, she has so much DNA in her, she can interact with the raptors. And now she becomes their new alpha. And the time. Yeah, basically. And Blue, uh, Blue, Delta, Charlie, and uh, Echo, they go nuts on the security team. They just go absolutely. And it's all done in like first person with like the uh, actual visual of the security team members. And it's another really well done sequence. It feels like a spiritual, a spiritual successor to the, uh, long grass sequence from lost world. It definitely gave me that vibe. Oh yeah. I'd also, uh, felt, man, it also felt very much like, uh, well, what was I going to say? It was, I don't know. Either That's way, nice it was guy. very neat. I'm also very happy the uh, the French survived. Yeah, of course he did. And he actually shows up again in Dominion. So we'll oh. talk more about his part in it. Yep, in that episode. That'll be in two weeks. But yeah, what happens is uh, Owen finally manages to get through to one of the Raptors. But just as he does, it's blown up with like a rocket launcher, which... I will say this, Chris Pratt's acting in this is actually pretty good for what it is because his look of horror after that is another good sequence. And the part with uh, Claire driving off in the van with Owen and the kids definitely seems like it took some inspiration from the Jeep T-Rex chase from the original. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely feel like that uh, was kind of taken from that. So they finally go back to the visitor center where they're confronted by Hopkins, who is in the... Uh, uh, dinosaur laboratory, basically, and Hopkins uh, gets his comeuppance when he's eaten by one of the raptors after trying to do the hold-out hand motion, but it just, like, bites off his arm, which... It doesn't work speaking. like that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's like... Uh, we're, you, guy. No, you, you pretty much were kind of a dick to them in the beginning. Exactly, so. exactly. It only works for Owen. Let's do it that way. It only works for the good guys. If you're a villain, it's not gonna work. It yeah. never does. Exactly, exactly. So Dr. Wu flees the island with all of his research, which comes into play in both Jurassic World sequels. So it's like a to be continued. So now we get to see the uh, remaining three raptors uh, attack the Indominus Rex. And the fight sequence is another really good one showing how, you know, they're, they're doing everything they can to go against the Indominus Rex. But she is just dominating them. She kills uh, the two of them until only blue is left. And then they come across a uh, uh, realization. They need something with more teeth. So then Claire goes to get the T-Rex. 
Now, I always the T-Rex. T-Rex. Yep, exactly. yep. That's gonna be the theme song for the sequence. Now, I always heard that this was supposed to be Rexy from the first one. Because if you look at, the, I think the scars. I think it is supposed to be, uh, you know, Rexy, the Tyrannosaurus Rex from the original Jurassic Park. It could be. I don't. I've exactly always heard know. that it is. You know. They even say it in the summary of the script, Claire releases the Jurassic Park's veteran Tyrannosaurus Rex. I see, I see. So the one earlier on in like the feeding section was not Rexy. No, that's what I'm saying. Uh, it it uh, is. Uh, they, they say in the su- uh, summary of the script that this is Jurassic Park's OG Rex that's in I Jurassic see. World. I see. So yeah, I was right with that. Okay. So basically, uh, Claire goes to get the T-Rex with the flair, like, of course, Ian Malcolm and Alan Grant did in the first one. And this is one the part of the movie that is really kind of ridiculous. She outruns a Tyrannosaurus Rex in high heels. It's like, okay. I I guess why, you know, for story purposes and that, it makes sense. But it really is kind of silly when you think about it. Yeah. Rexy's been getting slower every movie, so why not at this yeah, point? I guess, I guess. But still, to be outrun by not just a human, but a human wearing high heel shoes is a, a little, little bit of a stretch. But despite that I mean, tiny she's little... at this point. That's true, that's true. Yeah, I guess you're right, because you know, I've been alive since 93, so I guess I can see that. But despite yeah, this... So yeah, she's probably really going up in the years. I can see that, yeah. But yeah, despite that one little part... The fight sequence with, with the Indominus Rex, Blue, and you know Rexy is absolutely so badass. Just the way it is done, this is probably one of the you know best ways you could have a climax of this kind of movie. Which, when yeah. we get to the other ones, we'll talk about those. But for now, this is a really fantastic sequence right here. Just the way that, you know... They team up against her on that, and when they finally have the Indominus Rex cornered in that, the Mosasaurus just leaps up and just wrecks her. He just, like, bites, rips in through um. her neck and just drags her in the water. And I, I really, that was something that was so unexpected when I first saw it. I did not, um. like, expect the, the ending of the fight to be like that. I figured that I would have had, you know, uh, Rexy take her down in some way, but, of course... As the great uh, Kwai John Jin once said, there's always a bigger fish. There always is. Kwai John Jin, the legend. The man, the myth, the legend. Yeah. Uh, may he rest in peace. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, is he dead? Uh, no, and, yeah, he died in Phantom Menace. The, mo- he the dies character. In the Menace. Oh, that. Oh, thank God. Like, I, I was just like, Liam Neeson is actually dead. No, Liam Neeson is still alive. Kwai Jin Jin dies in a Star Wars. Uh, okay, good. No, good, good. Yeah, just yeah. wanted to be sure. Just yeah, okay. Be sure. Yeah, uh, the <laughs> movie right. ends with the dinosaurs basically being free in Jurassic World with the T Rex overseeing her new domain. And. Of course, Jurassic World itself is entirely screwed, which we find out in the sequel, what happens to that. And yeah, for the time, uh, in a vacuum, like if you don't look at if like the other sequels never existed, this is probably the best way the Jurassic Park franchise as a whole could have ended. Now, of course, it made so much money and it was a hit. It was a monster hit. This, I think, was the highest grossing movie of 2015. It even outgrossed uh, Force Awakens. 
So yeah, this was a huge, huge hit, and you knew that they were going to make sequels after this, but I can really see Jurassic World being the best finale for the uh, franchise in a way. Not saying that the other two don't have their moments, but this feels like it really wrapped up everything in a nice little bow. It feels like it could have ended here, and exactly. it would and have been like the greatest finale of the series. But exactly, no, they exactly. Had to it but it made money, and executives like money, so that's why they made sequels. And speaking of sequels, uh, this is easily for me the best of the Jurassic World movies. The sequels, uh, Fallen Kingdom and Dominion, which we are going to talk about uh, next week and the week after, respectfully. They aren't nearly as good as this. There's there's good moments, there's good parts, but they don't feel as maybe cohesive as this one or as complete as this one, rather. Yeah. Honestly, yeah, I, I think I can agree with that. Even though I haven't seen them yet, I will have to agree. Yeah. And another thing, speaking of sequels, now it is time for the uh, question of the week, which is, what do you think of a reboot sequels, or rather sequels that uh, took place after a wide gap in the franchise? Oh, that's a tough one. Yeah, because there's a lot of them. For me, it's a mixed bag because I feel like it, is a it mixed can either bag. be really good or it can be really bad. And for me, the best example of that is the Star Wars sequels. I feel like the problem with the Star Wars sequel trilogy they felt like they were writing it, you know, blind, like writing it by the seat of their pants, which say what you will about George Lucas and his vision of Star Wars. He at least kind of had somewhat of a cohesive vision, not entirely cohesive. I mean, Luke and Leia make out in the first one and then the third one, they're, you know, brother and sister. So yikes. I love how they referenced that in the, in the sequels, though, like. Yeah, <laughs> Luke just realizes that was his sister. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, his face. But yeah, I still feel that for my part, that the Star Wars sequel trilogy is what could happen with reboot sequels, or rather, you know, sequels that take place after a long gap of time. Because for me, it just feels like a lot of it is either you know referencing stuff that only like hyper super nerds would get. Or it just feels like it undermines the original trilogy in a lot of ways, which also happens with a lot of these uh, reboot sequels in a way. They really sometimes undermine the point of the original ones. It also uh, happens with, I'm trying to think of another good example of a sequel that uh, came out a long, long time in the original. Oh, uh, Dial of Destiny, the uh, new Indiana Jones. It's like... Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Seeing Harrison Ford basically being forced to redo all of his roles. And if you've noticed, that's all of his acting nowadays. I mean, he was Han Solo, then he reprised his role as Deckard. Now he's Indiana Jones. I mean, what's next? The Mosquito Coast 2? Although oh, probably not, part. because he dies in that one. That oh, was a really good movie, by the way, his best one. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, uh, it, to me, again, that's what one of the problems with the uh, reboot uh, or legendary sequels are, is that for the most part... They feel like they're just grasping at straws. They're trying to replicate the magic of these original movies without knowing what makes the originals so good. It feels like like they're trying to copy it. Like, it's a copy of a copy, basically. Uh, And a lot of times they miss things. Yeah. 
Uh, so uh, what, what do you guys have to think about that? Uh, so remind me of the question again. Uh, about like uh, reboot sequels or rather sequels that came out after a long period of gap. For example, uh, like the uh, Terminator sequels. And that's I, another I, good example. Like, you know, you had yeah. Terminator Genesis, which was really not a good movie at all. I mean, the, the, you know, Jai Courtney in that is not Kyle Reese or anything. So, yeah, yeah, it does not work. I will and, 100% hold Salvation to a high regard because yeah, Salvation is good, but I'm Salvation more about was like good. Yeah, uh, anything like after a, that was bad. Yeah, I'm talking yeah. about like a Genesis and Dark Fate. Like those would be two examples of like what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um. So let me see here. Like, uh, f- on the one hand, you could get stuff like uh, Transformers, uh, the the Bay the Bayverse uh, series, which. Interesting fact on that, there are two Transformers that ultimately live throughout their debut. One of them is Barricade, who was put on the uh, Transformers Hall of Fame, apparently. Fun fact. And Dino, a.k.a. quote-unquote Mirage. I'm still calling him Dino because it's a better name. Also, guys. Hell yeah, it is. Guys, a kick-ass. Definitely better. It just sounds better. Yeah. I also like Steelbane, but she was only in one movie, and I haven't seen it yet. Anyway. Yeah, you could go that route. But you could also do something like uh, you could also do something like uh, Star Wars: The Clone Wars, which, even though it's a TV series, it's still uh, overall canon to the Star Wars uh, lore. It is, as, and I still yeah. will, will hold that to a high regard. Oh, the movie me too. Boring, Wait, I mean, Clone Wars is the is the way to do it right. I feel. Yeah, the movie was boring, but the TV the show series, was great. The series is good. I will say that the series. Yeah. That okay. that is how you can do something like that and actually make it work. I will say I will defend the movie a bit because it did have some very high positives, even though it, it was did. formulaic, even for the time. But I will say this: it it had some. It really laid the groundwork. It really get, got me hopeful because oh my gosh, it brought so many things to it that I will forever hold in high regard. Man, the clones, the. Uh, Ahsoka, let's see. Uh, I know this wasn't her debut, quote-unquote. She actually appeared in the uh, Genetic Tarkovsky Clone Wars, but Asajj Ventress here, oh, man. That was wild. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh... So, yeah, I will, say, I will say that you could ultimately undermine the original and, and ultimately, like just do your own thing for better or worse but when it's for but when it's for better man it can sometimes be pretty great and sometimes there are stuff that ultimately does do what the original ultimately did what made it so fascinating like say animaniacs for the most part is uh it's still pretty good like it it it's clearly cut down a little bit but it very much still keeps uh what ultimately uh, made animaniacs so amazing in the first place and I and this is a recent one, but uh, I recently saw uh, Gremlins: Secret of the Mogwai, and honestly, there there are hints of a uh, a season two coming out. But for what we for what I saw, man, it kind of make it kind of makes things uh, fascinating. It's kind of make me kind of makes me interested in uh, seeing uh, Gremlins two after I uh, watched Gremlins 1 today cuz you man. definitely have to you you definitely have to check out Gremlins 2. It it really ha- it's like it's a sequel to the original 
And it's also kind of a spoof of the original. It yeah. it's probably is one of the most chaotic movies ever made. It is like the yeah. closest thing to a live-action Looney Tunes movie ever made. Way more than both live-action, or all three, rather, live-action Looney Tune movies we got. It is so off the wall, and it just does whatever it wants, and it's proud of it. Yeah. I highly, highly recommend Gremlins 2. It is, a, it is an insane time, but it is fun. It is just pure, pure enjoyment. I yeah, highly, I, highly recommend I, okay. it. I actually hear you say Looney Tunes, and I'm like, why do I suddenly get Looney Tunes meets Kill Bill? But like, why am I reminded of the mask, basically? Oh God! Oh <laughs> yeah, God! I see that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I like Son of the Mask. That was a bad oh, one. Yeah, yeah. I think that's <laughs> yeah. the gold standard for the worst ones. Is uh, I think that is considered widely to be the uh, worst uh, legacy sequel, shall we say? Mm. Uh, so yes. yeah. Uh, now it is time for the uh, patent-pending Dragonus scale, where we will talk about the uh, Jurassic World dinosaurs. That includes uh, the raptors, uh, Rexy again, the Indominus Rex, the Mosasaurus uh, et al. I'm going to go first, and I'm going to give them a... I cannot believe I'm saying this, but I'm going to give them a 9 out of 10. I really, really would want to give them a perfect score. I really, really do. The only... Really, the only thing putting it back for me is that I feel like the Indominus Rex needed a little bit more screen time. Oh, wait. Oh, my God. I can't believe we almost forgot about this. They have the uh, Brontosauruses that are attacked by the Indominus Rex, and she's not doing oh, it yeah. for food. She's doing it for sport. The uh, Indominus Rex that I think Owen and Claire uh, cradle while it's dying, I think that's the one of the only animatronic dinosaurs in this movie. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, like I say, I cannot believe I forgot about them until now. But thankfully, we got to them. But yeah, good, I'm going to give them a nine out of ten because this is such a step up from the uh, last two with how they depicted the dinosaurs. I mean, the the raptors feel like characters again. The Indominus Rex is probably the most threatening dinosaur in the entire Jurassic. Uh, park franchise i will say that right now she is like i think she might even edge out the velociraptors in the first one but I, again their designs are great the uh pterodons are great especially the uh altered pterodons like the ones with like the uh, t-rex faces and whatnot i think you know, those are actually legit dinosaurs like i forget what species they're called but like that sort of thing is like legit uh is they like legit found uh fossils with like uh little pterodactyls or pterodons that look like they have t-rex faces you know dimorphodon yeah i i did not know that i always thought it was like a in-gen doing more genetic splicing but more you know so yeah Yeah. uh the mosasaurus of course is really fantastic and and really, just in general, I I would really like to give it a perfect score. The only reason I'm not is the Indominus Rex kind of disappears for a lot of the movie. I, I think, you know, from the sequence when the Pterodons get loose to the part where the Raptors go out to confront her, you know, she is not on screen at all. But granted, I'm not putting that against them as a whole, but I feel like the first one is again the better movie the more iconic movie and it is the one that will live on forever i hate to say that but jurassic park is a much better movie than jurassic world and it is what most people will think of when they think of dinosaurs this is probably one of the better sequels to jurassic park although admittedly i do have a really really big soft spot for jurassic park 3 
But yeah, I have to give them a 9 out of 10. I, I really, really would love to give them a perfect 10. But I know deep down, I really just kind of can't. Yeah. Uh, and grown. All right. Now, I for the most part, I've been giving a lot of the uh, other dinosaurs from the first three Jurassic Park movies, like six, like one six out of ten, like two sevens out of ten. This one here, however, is where things ultimately turn around a little bit because not only do they have character, but here, oh man, it like gone are the animatronics, which I do, which does not detract from anything at all. But yeah. I am ultimately going to have to say this right here is an 8 out of 10. Absolutely. Nice. Because, yeah, again, there are many things holding me back here, uh, holding it back here. Like, again, like the characters for the most part and like some of the drama and whatnot. But the dinosaurs here, absolutely worth it. Like, it feels like a park. It feels like someplace I could actually go to. Like, oh, man, it, remi it reminds me a lot of SeaWorld and, like, uh, again, some of the zoos I've been to, the Houston Zoo, the San Diego Zoo, the Monterey Bay Aquarium. Oh, man, it is wild. And, and SeaWorld. I've been to SeaWorld, too. A shame they're not doing orcas anymore. But anyways, yeah, I am absolutely going to give them an 8 out of 10 because I because here they're given more character. Blue especially, and some of the raptors especially. The Indominus is a really great villain. I Oh, man, there's, like, pretty much everything Lud said, and then some for me. But, yeah, again, they're a little inaccurate uh, science-wise, and the movie does hamper it down a little bit. But otherwise, yeah, solid 8 out of 10 for me. All right, um, Stryker? Uh, I might be biased, since this is kind of my favorite in the mo in the series, but I'm going to give it a give them a 10. Nice. Yeah, nice, nice. The the ter uh, the pterosaur attack was like what sealed the movie for me as my favorite. Nice. Nice, yeah. nice. Plus the uh, uh of course like the scene with um uh the Indominus Rex uh attacking the uh the uh the raptors. No, no, not the raptors. It was near the beginning of the movie with the uh the oh, the workers, that, yeah, yeah, the crew, the, workers, uh, the yeah. security team, yeah, yeah, the security team, yeah. That scene with the security team, I also really enjoyed. Uh, the effects were so good. Mm, yeah. Okay, uh, math. Uh, I can. I'm gonna give you the rating for after this. Uh, basically, the first time I watched this movie in theaters, my reaction was. Oh, good lord, yes, the re the dinosaurs have personalities again. It's a miracle. Uh, nine, obviously. Nice. Nice, it, nice. It was so good to see that these were actual characters again, rather than just props. And oh, hell yeah. It, definitely, it, definitely. It, it, the more blue there is on screen, the better the movie is. If, if yeah. they could have just had the movie be blue, the other uh, raptors... Uh, and the Indominus, like, 90% focus that, uh, I think that this would have been a much better movie for me, and especially the sequels should have done so stuff like that, but they didn't. They went the other way. Yeah, and we'll talk about that when we get to them. And, and this uh, feels like the best version of these dinosaurs and the most personality they have, and it really does make them feel like actual living, breathing characters. It just goes so off the wall. That's why it's a nine instead of a 10 at times. But 
otherwise, I really love the the way that they did these characters, especially Blue. Mm. Yeah, I can definitely say it. And uh, Evie? Uh, nine. Whoa, okay. It's just, it's just, it's just for Blue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was the highlight of this entire movie. Yeah, probably yeah. the highlight of the entire uh, Jurassic World uh, franchise, to be honest, is Blue. Uh, she is a good girl. She is All a right. good girl. Yep. So, if you have any questions, or if you want to see a spinoff of the Margarita Man fighting off dinosaurs, you can feel free to email us at fierydiscourse at outlook.com, or visit us on Twitter at twitter.com slash fierydiscourse. Next week, we'll be talking about the 2018 movie, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. And until then, take care. Peace. Peace. Adios.